Former Vice President Mike Pence says you should take FBI Director for Christopher Wray at his word when he says the FBI was not involved in January 6th. Well, one of my guests, Jeremy Brown, seems to dispute those claims, and he's got the recording to do so, and he joins me from jail. The Mexican military is rolling out the red carpet for illegal aliens looking to break into the United States. Dan Lyman of Border Hawks joins us to break down his exclusive report. U.S. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn announced that he's running for Congress. His latest congressional ad is horrific, divisive, and it's meant to be that way, of course. The Blaze, Steve Baker, joins us. The Chinese yen is expected to unseat the U.S. dollar. We're bringing your economic update. All that and more on The Brianna Morello Show. Well, there's new evidence that the Mexican military isn't pushing back on the illegal migrants trying to make their way into the United States illegally. We now have footage, thanks to Border Hawk, and it shows the Mexican military actually just helping these illegal migrants find their path to illegally enter the United States. Let's take a look. I'm Efraín Gonzalez, correspondent with Butterhack News. This is how large groups of migrants continue to cross into Eagle Pass, even at the end of the year. We joined one of the huge caravans that crossed to Eagle Pass in the last days of December. The migrants showed us the GPS they obtained when leaving a shelter to find a distant location on the Rio Grande. We found Mexican soldiers who were already waiting for the hundreds of people just to guard their crossing. Pollution has spread in this unhabited area of the Rio Grande due to the crossing of thousands of migrants. This was the last mass crossing in daylight that we captured on our cameras at the end of December, before the start of operation by Mexican authorities that have momentarily reduced the arrival of migrants. The only thing that was missing there was the red carpet. I don't understand why the Mexican military hasn't been rolling that out for these illegal migrants. It's frustrating to watch, but it's expected under the Biden regime. Uh, Mexico is not really feeling any pressure to stop this from happening. And joining us now to detail this exclusive report is Dan Lyman. He is the editor in chief of BorderHawk.News. He's also a correspondent for InfoWars. Dan, thank you for being here. You guys have dropped several exclusive stories. This one shows Mexican mili- the Mexican military not really doing much to stop these people from illegally breaking into the United States. What are you guys learning after releasing this footage? Indeed. And this is a kind of part of a series of reports that we've been doing from this particular area of the border. We have a correspondent based in Piedras Negras, Mexico, which is directly across from Eagle Pass, Texas, which is one of the most hard, the hard hit uh, areas along the whole border. You could argue Lukeville, Arizona might be, uh, you know, on the same uh, level as them. But Eagle Pass has been cam- getting hammered with mass illegal crossings every day, day in and day out for years now. And so our correspondent on the ground there just continues to uncover more um, le- different levels of uh, corruption that we're seeing. We're peeling back the onion and realizing that um, as many people, you know, probably surmise that anyone that's paying attention to this, um, that, that, that this goes so deep. The, the organization, uh, it's, you know, the Mexican government is involved. The U.S. government, of course, is involved. And this goes all the way up to the United Nations as well. 
But in this latest report, we showed that Mexican soldiers had been uh, effectively stationed or deployed uh, along these routes. These were routes through the brush uh, that are provided to the uh, uh, migrants in Mexico uh, once they reach this area in Piedras Negras, which is a border city from, from Mexico. They basically are all funneled through a, a single shelter there that's run by NGOs and also Mexican authorities. And uh, generally, they spend no longer than 24 hours at this shelter, sometimes much less before they're given coordinates and told where to show up uh, along the river uh, in in order that they can all cross together safety in numbers uh, and be received on the other side by U.S. Border Patrol and other uh, federal uh, authorities there. But as you can see in the video, the Mexican soldiers are stationed along these routes ahead of time to ensure a safe and orderly passage out of their country. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. They don't obviously want these people in their country. And so they're happy to pass them on to here in the United States. Uh, when we talk about Eagle Pass and the flooding of illegal migrants who've been heading there, it's very strategic. You're saying that there's a GPS location that's given out to these migrants. Who is sending them these coordinates? And where is it? Is it being sent through like an app, like a WhatsApp app? How are they getting these coordinates? Our correspondent there is still working to find out who exactly is behind that. Some people think that it could be the Mexican government. Uh, we haven't been able to confirm that. Uh, it could be NGOs, could be the United Nations. Um, we're not sure exactly who is in charge of coordinating uh, these deliveries of, of information to these people, but um, we have been seeing this happen on a daily basis. And our correspondent there has been interviewing people. They just receive it. Uh, it looks like it's on, it's on text messages. Um, and they're all basically informed where to go at one time. And as you can imagine, if, if you've gone to a country that you've never been to before, and uh, you really have no idea how to move forward through that country, where you should go to ensure that you'll be able to continue onward, then of course, you would depend on some sort of network and instructions as to how to proceed. Um, some people, of course, they do just rush the Rio wherever they find an entry. But when you see uh, sometimes a thousand people at once crossing all in the same area, you have to assume that there is coordination going on behind the scenes. We haven't determined exactly, like I said, who is providing these coordinates. We're still working to uncover that. But in the last few weeks uh, in this series of reports, it's really garnered a lot of attention all the way up to people like Elon Musk and uh, members of Congress who are asking who is providing these coordinates to the illegals and uh, who's behind all of this. Um, But we do know that there definitely seems to be coordination with the Mexican government at minimum and possibly with the U.S. government as well. Yeah. Whenever I talk to people about the border crisis, the first thing that they tell me is that the core of the issue is these NGOs. And for those of you at home that don't know what the NGOs are, they're non-governmental organizations. Uh, Ultimately, they are funded by you, the taxpayers, and they are helping these illegals go all around the country. I mean, What's happening here is, and I've spoken to a lot of people here in Texas, uh, they say that they are, the NGOs are busing them around uh, the state of Texas and they are giving them information even past uh, south of Texas. So how to get to the U.S. border, where to go, what to say, what to do. And it's quite disturbing. Um, When I reached out to Congressman Jim Jordan's office about these NGOs, he directed me to H.R. 2. It's the Secure the Border Act of 2023. Now it passed in the House. But ultimately, what it would do, it would defund these NGO groups. Uh, Dan, do you think that defunding these NGO groups will kind of put a massive uh, dagger in the hearts of these illegal, uh, I guess, these NGOs and their and their push to bring illegal migrants into our country? 
Not a question. That is absolutely what should happen immediately. Of course, none of them should have received received a dime of our money. Um, you know, a shining example that we had in the last week of how these NGOs operate. Uh, it's a very complex network, but the funding originates very often with the American taxpayer or taxpayers of other countries as well. And so uh, this great example, uh, this was uh, James O'Keefe and O'Keefe Media Group. They basically camped outside of a welcome center. It's called the Phoenix Welcome Center um, for for migrants that are passing through illegal aliens. And uh, at this welcome center, uh, basically they're being bussed in, uh, given uh, you know medical treatment, they're given uh, supplies, uh, whatever they need, clothes, food. And then from there, they're being sent daily to Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix and being flown around the country. And so what O'Keefe uncovered by uh, talking to some people there um, was that the International Rescue Committee, the IRC, is the major NGO that's behind this operation. And in 2021, the IRC received $415 million of U.S. taxpayer money as part of their broader $1.4 billion operation. And so that's that comes from a variety of different uh, federal agencies and via different pathways, but it totaled up to about $415 million. In addition, they apparently were receiving $75 million from uh, the EU. So, I mean, this money is coming in from all over the world to fund the uh, the invasion of the United States. And of course, the United States taxpayers are funding the invasion of other countries as well, such as in Europe. And we've we've covered that at length over at InfoWars as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's disturbing. I mean, we're all watching our country is kind of just go into this demise and we're supposed to sit here and pretend like it's acceptable. Uh, there's very few people willing to push back on it. You know, me and James O'Keefe, we actually did a space together and we discussed what, what we're, both of us are finding. The NGOs seem to be the big, the big, uh, the big challenge when it comes to stopping these illegal migrants from coming in. So ultimately, yes, it sounds good to defund these NGOs, but uh, ultimately, President Joe Biden said he would he would veto anything that would fall on his desk that included HR two, and so it's not looking so good right now. Uh, I want to talk about what's going on right now in the Senate. It looks like, according to Republican Senator James Lankford, Lankford, that uh, they're working on an immigration deal right now with Democrats. They're saying it's bipartisan. Uh, other people I've spoken to have said it's absolute garbage. It's going to be horrible when it's finalized. And so ultimately, it's up to House Republicans to push back. But it doesn't include H.R. 2, which was uh, passed last year, May of 2023, in the House. And the Senate really just won't even take it up. How uh, how worried should Americans be about this bipartisan deal that's being worked out right now in the Senate? We don't really know much of the way it's details. We're only going based off of the rumors and those who are speaking to the media. So we're limited here. But should Americans be concerned? Absolutely. This this is the most pressing issue of our time. This is our our country is going under the waves right now and nobody is doing anything to stop the administration that's executing this. But, you know, it's very clear. It should be very clear to the American public that it's a uniparty. We don't have an opposition party. There are a few members uh, of, in Congress uh, of the Republican um, Party that are, you know, opposed to these sorts of things, or at least they're vocally op- opposed to them. But generally speaking, the Republicans are perfectly content going along with this agenda and pretending to actually care about it. But when they, you know, as we see with uh, with Speaker Johnson, as we see with Langford, Senator Langford, that uh, that when they get behind closed doors, they basically are very happy to lay down for Democrats, uh, the agenda for Democrats, as long as it benefits them financially, of course, the House, the 
Chamber of Commerce is very happy to see all these people pouring into the country as well. And so um, the the American public should be very concerned about the fact that there is no one doing anything to secure the border. The last person who made any difference whatsoever was, of course, President Donald Trump. And the numbers speak for themselves. Of course, we would have liked to have seen even more done. And there's a lot of talk about uh, if there's a second administration uh, under President Trump, then they are planning to take very aggressive action. What remains to be seen is if they can actually pull that off. Of course, if there is a second Trump administration, if they can actually pull that off and get, uh, you know, get the government uh, on board with them in, in terms of deportations and closing the border and defunding NGOs and ending birthright citizenship. Um, not really optimistic about that because uh, the swamp is very effective and they've, uh, they, they, they don't seem to have their agenda slowed down uh, too often. Um, and right now it is just absolutely the worst it has ever been in American history, and it only gets worse as the months go on. More than 300,000 quote-unquote encounters last month for the first time ever, and that's the most recent month that we have data for. Yeah, and Dan, that's what they're telling us, so I'm highly skeptical that it's probably even higher than that. They just don't want the numbers uh, entering into an election year because they know that will scare the American people. Ultimately, when we have people like Congresswoman AOC going out there and saying things like, oh, we need to give these people citizenship. She said that over the weekend. Oh, we need to give them citizenship. We need to make them documented. Uh, It doesn't defer these people from coming in and breaking into our country. And it doesn't really uh, teach them a lesson for breaking our laws. So it's going to be interesting. You know, we've got about 11 months left of Election Day. And well, I'm a little bit on edge, but I'm hoping Americans are paying attention And they're going to vote for it this year because we need something desperately right now. It's all quite concerning. Uh, Dan, I want to direct our audience, if they want to keep following your work and the work over at BorderHawk, it's quite simple. Head over to BorderHawk.news. You guys, again, are independent journalists. So you can donate to you guys directly on the website, as well as follow the latest exclusive work that you guys are working on. So we greatly appreciate you guys doing that. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. There's so much going on on our southern border. I want to let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now, Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. Hey, everyone. I'm getting ready to head out right now. But before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until... Our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da. 
and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. There's a concerning new uh, prediction that just came out by JP Morgan, and I think it's worth bringing your attention to it. I know it was drawn for me when I saw this, of course. Let's take a look at this article. So pretty much JP Morgan is saying that the Chinese yen, which is their dollar, is potentially going to unseat the US dollar. That's their prediction. And obviously this has been uh, this has been something that has been predicted by many financial experts but the day might be coming near, actually. This might be happening very, very soon. And it's something that China's been pushing to do for quite some time now. We know this. We've been reporting on this. We've been discussing this. And so, yeah, you should be concerned by this prediction. But financial experts are saying that it's likely going to happen this year. And that's what's so interesting about it. I was actually watching on social media a couple of days ago a report from somebody who was based in Mexico. And they were saying that normally when they visit these certain little villages that they would actually accept. They'd ask you for U.S. dollars. And now all of a sudden, they're not asking for it. They don't want U.S. dollars. So ultimately, it looks like the U.S. dollar might be losing its strength around the world. And it should be very concerning for all of us. Obviously, we know under Joe Biden that, yes, the, the Western world is not really uh, respecting us like they used to. And it's very unfortunate. But again, we need to come up with a plan. And like many of you have probably heard before, as we discussed in the show, I am all about solutions. And I think you should be, too. I want to point you to a website that's all about solutions. It's good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. As many of you know, I've spoken about on the show. I was concerned, and so I spoke with Dr. Kirk Elliott, and he has me purchasing lots of silver. And it's very important to do so because ultimately, these are the type of things you're going to need if there is an issue right now with our economy or coming in the next couple of months. Silver and gold will will be very promising. And that's ultimately what all the financial experts are telling you. In fact, places like Costco, they're selling out of gold. And so that's why it's so important to go to kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. Ultimately, what you do is just go to this website, fill out the form, put your information, and then you will get a call from somebody from his team and he will set up an appointment to go through all of this with you. And it's free. So all you have to do is just let them, let them talk to you about it. Let them give you some advice. And it's greatly appreciated. Again, if you don't want to go to the website and you'd rather give them a call, you could do so at 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. Again, it's so important to put a plan in place. And that's exactly what Dr. Kirk Elliott is going to do for you. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. And under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. You could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. America's favorite crybaby mall cop is running for Congress. That's right. U.S. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn is running. And, well, uh, this is how he kicked it off.
On this day, my role was as a Capitol Police officer. I'm Harry Dunn, and that meant putting aside who I am, a father, a Marylander, a Democrat, because I swore an oath to protect our Constitution, to protect our democracy. It's what allowed me to protect some members of Congress who I knew were bigots, who helped fan the flames that started all of this. I put country above self. The problem is, a lot of them didn't. Some of the same people who stood behind us when we protected them went back on the floor of Congress and stood behind Trump. They voted to acquit him. And worst of all, they denied the violence and trauma that led to the death of some of my fellow officers. I couldn't stand by and watch. I had another role to play. I used my voice to speak out, to get into good trouble. And a few weeks ago, I left the force after more than 15 years of service so that today I can announce I'm running for Congress. He's running for Congress. Woo, so exciting. Uh, Steve Baker from The Voice joins us now. Steve, you know this man better than anyone else. Uh, I'm sure you probably have already made your donation to Harry Dunn's political campaign, of course. There is nothing like kicking off a congressional campaign like making a divisive, divisive video like that and uh, calling the opposition a bunch of bigots. Uh, Steve, what is your reaction to this? So many levels of offense that I can take to that video. For one, we are about to roll out the evidence in our day in the life of Harry Dunn's story that shows that he deliberately avoided every aspect of getting that close to those protesters and or rioters in that scene. That scene that he depicts there where he's marching through those, we're going to show that he spent most of the day avoiding that, hiding from that, and staying away from the violence. And for what reason, I don't know, but he did everything in his power that day to not get engaged or do the things and, and engage in the heroics that he's claimed that he's engaged in. In fact, I've been challenging on uh, you know my ex account. I've been asking people to come out and show me. I've been asking the government. I've been asking the FBI. I've been asking the sedition hunters. I've been asking private citizens. If you've got video of Harry Dunn doing any of the heroics of which he's been lauded for, let me see it. Because yeah. we've spent we've spent days and days in the Capitol CCTV viewing room harvesting a day in the life of Dunn, and we can't find it. Yes, yeah, Steve, it's an interesting uh, way to kick off a campaign, right? He's using verbiage that only the left uses when he's referring to them as bigots and and flaming the the hatred. I mean, it was just all of this nonsense that's constantly used to divide this country. And then I also thought it was interesting that he's openly admitting to being a Democrat. It looks like that's why he had no problem uh, being their like little crybaby doll when he was testifying and, and playing up what happened on January 6th, when in fact, he was one of the biggest threats that day when he was, you know, sh using his firearm potentially to cause harm onto others, but he didn't have to because these were unarmed protesters that were approaching him. Ultimately, Steve, how do you think this plays out for him making such a divisive campaign video? Do you think that this guy even stands a chance at being elected to Congress? Well, in the district in which he's running for Congress there in uh, Southern Maryland, he's probably a pretty damn good chance that he'll be elected. Yeah. Of course, he, he does have he will have a primary fight. 
Uh, I just don't know yet how many people in his district will buy into his narrative. It, as you said, it's very divisive. His book is incredibly divisive. His, yeah. his book is basically uh, three a, a three-part play. The first one is the history of his life. The second part is the history or the story of the quote-unquote insurrection. And then the third half, of, or the third, the last third of the book, rather, is the um, his political screed. And it is hard, hard left. It's hard anti, not just anti-MAGA, it's hard against anything on the right. So it, it's a it's a very divisive uh, book, and he seems to have been uh, very well schooled in that. Obviously, we know who his friends were in Congress. I mean, start with Jamie Raskin to begin with, who has assisted him throughout this entire process. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, ultimately, just based on what we've, we've heard, I've talked to Ken Harrelson and Kelly Meggs of the Oath Keepers, uh, they were the only ones there to help him that day. And they did so by creating a barrier between him and the protesters. And so it's it's disgusting to see how much uh, lack of appreciation he has for these individuals and how he's vilifying vilifying all of them. And he did so on the stand. He lied. And we, we could say that now with confidence because you've obtained uh, the footage from that day. And you know that the, the breakdown of, of the confrontation that he described doesn't match up with the video. And that's just based on somebody who came in and stepped in to back up his, his uh, officer Lazarus, who was Nancy Pelosi's security detail, I should add, uh, came in yeah. and tried to back up his claims. And you have the footage that shows that officer Lazarus wasn't even in the area at the time of, of this kind of t- confrontation. And so it's interesting. It's all coming together. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but Tucker Carlson released some uh, an interview with Congressman Clay Higgins, and in it he yes. said that there was over 200 informants he believes, and that's a that's a conservative number. Mm-hmm. Based on what you're looking at, do you think that there were about 200 federal assets that were there that day, or is does that seem a little too high for you? No, it doesn't seem too high, especially for the size of crowd that it was. The mm-hmm. the reality is, and let's be honest, without going towards uh, the X-Files and the conspiracy theory side of things, there are always assets of this sort in these types of crowds. Even, even if it's a Taylor Swift concert, there's going to be federal assets and local undercovers, uh, plainclothes officers in the crowd because that's, well, look, the, the only true and, and moral function of a decent government is to protect uh, its citizens from force and fraud. And so they are always there, especially in the age of, of terrorism, especially a post 9-11. We want those assets there. But unfortunately, we are we're beginning to see. And if Clay Higgins is right, that they were there for the purpose of moving the crowd as agents provocateur themselves, then we have a real, real problem. And we all know that the FBI is not above uh, entrapping American citizens in crimes that they had no intention of committing in the first place. Yeah, yeah. We saw what they did in Michigan to to those defendants. And unfortunately, uh, two of them are now sitting in prison. The the federal government really enjoys i would have to say that you enjoy entrapping conservatives and trump supporters and it's it's really upsetting to continue to see happening i don't know if we're going to find out 100 percent what the federal government's role in january 6th all was ultimately um january 6th and i don't think people make the argument loud enough but january 6th benefited democrats more than it benefited republicans from the sense that there were republican lawmakers who were going to challenge the election before certification and they were unable to do so because of what happened that day so there's a lot that needs right. to be answered for. 
Uh, we will find that out shortly, I, I hope. Uh, but I want to get to your reporting. You are over at the blaze and you've been aggressively working towards finding out the truth. You are telling me that the truth will so soon come to the surface and you guys are going to soon be able to release some of the surveillance footage that we just discussed. So what is ahead yes. when it comes to your reporting? What can we look forward to? Well, the first thing is, is that we finally have permission to release the actual videos to the uh, special agent David Lazarus story. He being the officer that corroborated uh, Dunn's testimony in the Oath Keepers trial, but he did so with false testimony himself. And that, of course, uh, is something that we've been waiting on since early October, because if you recall, on the night before we were going to release that story and release those videos, Speaker McCarthy was vacated. His seat was vacated and suddenly everything was put on hold. I mean, at the 11th hour, I received yeah. a call from the committee that is in charge of that video. And they said, you can't release it anymore. As soon as we lost the speaker, we lost our permission to give you permission to release that video. So we've been sitting on it, waiting, waiting, waiting until finally this got up to the top of the pile of Speaker Johnson's desk. And we finally were able to get permission to, to release that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to stories. seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we have been given and we now have in our possession uh, all of this video that I mentioned earlier from Harry Dunn's Day in the Life of Dunn on January 6th, which we're about mm -hmm. to do it, at least two parts on that. We, we may have as many as uh, three more parts to his story to show. And then uh, after that, we have, of course, uh, an interesting story because it's going to be directly related to me and the current um, uh, prosecution that I'm facing from the Department of Justice for my coverage of January 6th that day. So the Blaze analysts, along with me in D.C., we've harvested a day in the life of me so that we can get ahead of that and we can show the American people what I was doing that day and what I was, how I was performing and how I was, I was behaving in the Capitol that day. Yes, yeah, Steve, I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment you start releasing the, this footage and you start talking about how you have obtained the footage and you're going to release it, that suddenly the Department of Justice says that they're coming after you. And we know that they've been investigating you for months now, right? They've been using this and holding this over your head. And it's more of an intimidation factor than anything. But it's interesting now that we're getting closer and closer to the release of all of this footage that now they have the interest in going after you and prosecuting you for doing what so many other journalists were doing that day. They went inside, they followed people going into the Capitol, and they filmed it. And that's exactly what you did. And well, for you, because you are not a part of the corporate media world, you're not using their type of uh, verbiage, uh, you now face potential prosecution. And it's disgusting, it's disgraceful, but it's what we get with this new Department of Justice. And unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people who are unwilling to speak up on your behalf, but there are people who are speaking up on your behalf. I know I've made phone calls to a lot of congressional members, and they are interested in following your case. And I'm sure if the DOJ ever had the guts to try to file those charges against you, they'd regret it instantly because there's a lot of people that are very upset over what's been happening to you. So, Steve, keep us posted on everything. Yeah. We're going to be tuning in to The Blaze to watch all of this because you're doing great reporting, and we greatly appreciate that. the only channel dedicated exclusively to world entertainment. I'm your host, Brianna Morello. My journey into conservative media is quite unique. I was raised in Huntington, New York with my six siblings. My mom stayed at home and raised us all while my father worked. After graduating school, I landed in the sports world. I was a freelance reporter and a producer for several outlets. I worked for companies like Major League Baseball, NHL, ESPN Plus, and many others. But it wasn't until a couple of years in the sports world, I realized it just wasn't for me. So I made the jump into the news industry. My first gig was at Fox News and Fox Business. 
I was a teleprompter operator. And although they say it's an entry-level position, it was extremely high pressure environment. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? After spending a year over at Fox, I decided New York wasn't for me. So I picked up all my belongings and drove all the way down to South Florida. I moved to West Palm Beach before anyone else did. And then during my time in West Palm Beach, I landed at a local news station down here. I was so tired of having to just copy and paste over scripts from platforms like the Associated Press and other platforms where you just don't put thought process into it and there's somebody else who's generating a script for your anchor. So then I ended up landing at Newsmax. I think Bloomberg has a really tough situation he's going through right now. After spending quite some time over at Newsmax, I did head back to Fox. I started working for Maria Bartiroma as a booking producer for her Fox Business Weekend show, as well as Wall Street Journal at large. After finding out that Fox wanted me to comply with the local New York City vaccine mandate, I resigned. But I am extremely grateful because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have landed my first gig in independent journalism with Emerald Robinson. We launched The Absolute Truth on Lindell TV, and it's been absolutely incredible. It's our very own senior producer here at The Absolute Truth for her show debut. Brianna Morello. I am now a firm believer in independent journalism and strongly believe that will save our country. So I'm honored to be on this independent platform and bring you the stories you won't see anywhere else. Join me in my journey on The Brianna Morello Show here on Rumble. The liberal hacks and the corporate media were too busy crying over the weekend because it was the third anniversary of January 6th. Now, most of us know it as Entrapment Day, but the corporate media was too busy crying over it. They call it an insurrection, but we know it's not an insurrection at all. In fact, we know that it was more like a fedsurrection. But unfortunately, people like former Vice President Mike Pence, well, they don't believe it was a fedsurrection at all. And he says you should take FBI Director Christopher Wray's word, word for it. It's not just President Biden who's focusing on January 6th, of course. You have Donald Trump still talking about it. Do you, do you want to just like take this opportunity to clear up this lie that the FBI was leading the charge on January 6th? It's obviously not true. I'm sure you know it's not true. Do you want to make, make that clear to the voters? You know, I've seen the, the director of the FBI repeatedly assure the American people that the, the FBI were not the instigators uh, of the riot that occurred on, on January 6th. And uh, frankly, I'm very grateful. Uh, for the efforts uh, of the FBI to bring uh, nearly a thousand people to justice who ransacked our capital and did violence uh, against police officers uh, that day. But uh, you're right. We've, we've been assured again and again that it was not the case. Well, uh, I'm not going to take Christopher Ray's word at that. And thankfully, we have brave patriots like Jeremy Brown, who came forward and presented us with evidence that the FBI was heavily involved prior to January 6th. I'm going to bring Jeremy Brown in right now. He joins us by phone. Unfortunately, Jeremy right now is in prison. And we're going to discuss why he's there. First, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Uh, it is the third anniversary of January 6th. As I said, it's entrapment day. And a lot of Americans are enraged as to what's been happening to people like you. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to I just get our audience a little familiar with what's been going on with your case and why the federal government went after you. I'm going to play the recordings that you took when the FBI came to your door 
well, first off, we're going to play the audio first of your recordings regarding the FBI trying to recruit you as a asset. And then we're also going to show the video footage that came prior to that of the FBI knocking on your door and speaking with your girlfriend. So first, let's listen to that soundbite of the recording that you got, and we'll hear your reaction on the other end of it. Guys, how are you? Well, I'm normally in bed by now, but uh, are oh, you working night? No, no, I'm just a night owl. What's yeah, going right. on, guys? Let's see, buddy. I'm Brett. This is Paul. All right, well, you don't mind if I pull out my recorder, do you? Yeah, you do. All right, that's, I don't want to get General Flended. <laughs> okay. And we're with Online Security, but we work on yeah, with FBI. Okay, I so, noticed that. Yeah, so it, it's no big deal. We decided to come out. I've worked with JTTF before, so I'm okay. familiar. Um, so you might be working with them in the future, Jeremy. Did we hear that correctly? Uh, yeah, you absolutely heard that correctly, and uh, that was within the first 38 seconds of meeting with these agents. And the reason I recorded them is because my background is in 20 years special operations, 17 of that at the Army Green Beret, and I actually retired as the non-commissioned officer in charge of the Special Activities Branch, which our primary responsibility was covert, clandestine, and compartmentalized operations. And so, first of all, Brianna, I'd like to thank you for having me on the show, and congratulations on the new show, uh, but I do, you know, not to be a guest, but I do want to correct you. January 6th was not entrapment. January 6th, of which all the evidence is now beginning to show observations by congressmen, by the former police chief, uh, as well as FBI whistleblowers, are all indicating what I said all along, which is that I believed early on, and now I want to almost I'll say 99.9%, because there's always some type of uh, uncertainty in the world. But January 6th was a military intelligence federal law enforcement operation meant to create the environment of which we are now living in three years later. And so uh, Vice President Mike Pence was already a traitor. Now he's just an open liar uh, and you know a complicit co-conspirator uh, in this operation. And he mentioned that Christopher Ray has repeatedly assured us, well, you know what? It's funny because I actually have in my possession, in my cell here, the FBI's confidential human source guidelines of which they refer to the actions uh, that confidential human sources can be offered to commit as tier one otherwise illegal activities. And this is a long list of crimes that confidential human sources can be tasked to do with FBI authority to include the collection of evidence as part of an investigation. So when Christopher Ray assures us of anything, the only thing we can be assured of is that he is absolutely lying. And that is exactly why his FBI and the Department of Justice are desperately trying to prevent me from getting my hands on any of the confidential human source information, because within that program, according to their guidelines, everything that these sources are tasked to do, everything that they are authorized to do, and every crime that they are authorized to break is documented in those in those materials. And that is why the FBI is desperately using the 
the red herring of we don't want to compromise sources and methods. And the reason is because their sources and methods are violations of the United States Constitution and military-grade weapons and tactics being used against the American people. So that is what January 6th is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Jeremy. I mean, it's disgusting what happened to you. Um, I can't believe that they were even able to get their hands on a warrant to search your home. Before we get to the warrant and your appeal process that you're going through right now, I just want to get your intake on all of it. Like, what was the reason for releasing your audio recordings uh, from the FBI trying to recruit you as an asset? Well, the reason is because when I was 18 years old, actually when I was 17 years old, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the American people. I spent 20 years of my life doing that, mostly on foreign soil in uh, a lot of places that you probably never even heard of. And so when I am directly confronted with my government, many, like I said in the recording, I've worked with the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, Joint Terrorism Task Force, meaning it's designed to go after terrorists. And so therefore, an Army Green Beret deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, and many other countries, right? I've worked hand-in-hand alongside. Hell, I've had some extremely personal relationships with members of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. And so I know how they operate downrange, and I know what they've been exposed to, and I know what they've learned over 20 years of working side-by-side with soldiers in war zones. And what we're seeing today is that this law enforcement agency is utilizing a lot of these same techniques that we were using against the enemies of this nation on sport battlefields. They're now using them against the American people. But the problem is, as a soldier, I don't have to worry about my, my enemy's constitutional rights. But as a law enforcement agency, they do, and they certainly are not doing that. And so when I heard Christopher Ray assuring us, as President, Vice President Pence told us, as he was assuring the American people of the complete false narrative meant to cover up this compartmentalized operation run by the federal government, I knew that you I had one to come forward. I knew I had to come forward with this recording because, remember, this recording took place – 10 days before January 6th was ever announced. It was before January 6th was ever announced. And yet in the recording, when you listen to it, the agents specifically mentioned in case something happens in January. This right there is extreme circumstantial evidence that this was all part of a plot, not to mention the fact that the Oath Keepers were infiltrated as early as November of 2020. And... That day that that recording was made, I had no idea of the significance of it. It wasn't until after January 6th that I began to see the big picture. So uh, let me give you a call back, Brianna, and we can continue. Yeah, we'll go to a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back. We're going to discuss the the search warrant, because that to me is just gut-wrenching when you go through all of this and you see all the violations to your personal rights. And we're also going to go over your appeal as well. So Jeremy will call us back, and we will have him on the other side of this commercial break. 
want to let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. Now you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. Perfect. And we're back with Jeremy Brown. Now, Jeremy, you are going through the appeals process because you were facing two cases. You're facing one here. It was federal, but you were facing it here in the state of Florida. And you're also facing one that still hasn't happened in D.C. Now, just so our audience understands, you were just charged with two misdemeanors in D.C. Uh, one was for trespassing, even though you never went into the Capitol and entering a restricted area. I believe that was a specific charge. And uh, then you were you had your home legally, illegally searched and uh, other charges followed after that. Now, you had your trial in Florida and unfortunately, the jury did find you guilty on some of the charges, not all of them. So we're going to go through that right now. So just so our audience can understand how this all came about, Jeremy, you were uh, only charged a few months after releasing the recordings of the FBI attempting to recruit you. Uh, then there was criminal charges that were filed. And then the next day you uh, had a search warrant that was executed on your home in Tampa, Florida. Now, the interesting part is when we look over the search warrant is it was signed by a judge that wasn't based in Florida, which a lot of people tell me, Jeremy, uh, is jaw dropping because that doesn't happen. And it's quite strange that it happened to you. Well, so just based off the search warrant, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, uh, well, the reason why that search warrant was allowed to be issued out of the District of Columbia for a location nine months after the fact and a thousand miles away is because of the United States Patriot Act of 2001, which basically created Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 41B3, which says that if a, sub a suspect or a subject is has a nexus to a domestic terrorism investigation than the judge outside of the district because it's more expedient can issue a warrant in a totally different district. Now, this is a clear and absolute total violation of the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution because the Fourth Amendment standard is that you must swear an oath or affirm that the suspect 
it has probable cause to have committed a crime, right? That is the Fourth Amendment standard, meaning not part of an investigation. And so it blows the probable cause requirement out of the water completely by simply saying that because you might be associated with an investigation of something that is not even a statutory crime. Domestic terrorism is not a crime in the United States of America. That's why there's actually on the House floor a domestic terrorism bill waiting for the perfect political opportune moment to bring forth creating the crime of domestic terrorism. But as we sit today, merely the elements of a, of a definition, right? Domestic terrorism lays out elements of crimes that, if committed, can be in support of this term uh, domestic terrorism. So see, this is all linguistic gymnastics that takes place. So there is no domestic terrorism crime. It's why no one has been convicted of any domestic or even charged with it because it doesn't exist. And yet, they can violate the Fourth Amendment because the, the investigation of a non-crime simply because you have a nexus, meaning some loose association to it, that circumvents your Fourth Amendment rights, and this will be a topic of the next appeal uh, once we get done uh, with the uh, you know, the legal gymnastics of the D.C. case. But, yes, they came at me with a two misdemeanor count arrest warrant, of which they placed under seal, right? Normally, for misdemeanors, you call them up and say, we have a warrant for your arrest. We need you to report by 10 o'clock tomorrow. But no. But the reason is because I know what's going on with January 6th. You see, we already pointed out the fact that the FBI, through their Joint Terrorism Task Force, approached me in December of 2020. They called me the morning of January 6th, and I had a text conversation with the same agent on the night of January 7th. The FBI knew I had this recording. On January 5th, they launched a national terrorism assessment of me that they closed on January 13th, declaring that I'm no national security threat. And they knew that I was with Kelly Meggs, Jessica Watkins, Kenny Harrelson, and all the other Oath Keepers that they arrested immediately, and yet they had no investigation going on about me until the summer, which is after I went public with the recording. And that's why they placed their misdemeanor arrest warrant under seal, but came with a search warrant because their intent was to find the planted items for which they convicted me to almost double the national average for the crimes that I was charged with, 87 months. Jeremy, you just said that the day of January 6th that you spoke with the FBI detectives who were at your door, text message you said, what, what was exactly said to you? I'm curious of that. That's correct. Uh, Special Agent Brett, Brett Lindsay, actually he's a Department of Homeland Security investigator. I don't want to get their titles wrong. But the <laughs> same man that you hear on the recording called me at approximately 9.30 the morning of January 6th. I was approximately within 25 meters of the presidential podium. We had already passed through U.S. Secret Service uh, security, and we were already within the VIP, VIP area because we were there working security. He calls me. 
I tell them, hey, I'm in D.C., I'm working security, I'm busy, I can't talk to you right now, and I hung up. But this just goes to show that it's no coincidence that as I'm standing within a almost arm shot of the presidential podium that I'm getting calls from these undercover uh, agents uh, that were attempting to recruit me just a month ago. And then on January 7th, I actually – uh, start a conversation with the same agent, Agent Brent Lindsay, about how, hey, if you want to report for me, here's the report. Here's the here's the video of a murdered, unarmed American female veteran at the hands of law enforcement who shot into a crowd of other law enforcement. And his response was, wow, there were guys downrange. And so they knew exactly who I was. They knew exactly what I had done. And they knew exactly who I was with. And yet it took them nine months of trying to ignore me. But when they could no longer ignore me, ignore me they fabricated this entire uh, arrest and this entire search warrant. And lo and behold, what did they find? Magical explosives and a CD-ROM with classified materials from 2005 I'm 17 years old, but yet it looks brand new, right? And so this is what they charged me with in, in, in hope that they could simply lock me away in a prison and I would shut the hell up. But again, uh, they just messed with the wrong guy. Yeah, they did. They did. Jeremy, just to bring our, our audience up to speed, first off, I've seen video of you that day. And ultimately, I, when I look at the footage that was shown to me, it's you actually rescuing a woman who is on the ground and she's potentially going to get trampled by the police line. And you did save her that day. Uh, your role there was to provide security. And you did just that. Again, you did not enter the Capitol. Uh, you, you stayed a part of a group, but like you weren't, you weren't there to start a problem. You weren't starting fights. You ultimately were there for one job, one job only that was to provide security. And you did so. And we have the video footage to prove just that. And yet they somehow cooked up uh, a trespassing allegation to obtain a search warrant. When I talk to members of law enforcement, by the way, several different agencies, they've never seen this happen. They've never seen a search warrant uh, be executed in this fashion. And ultimately, like you just described, it's because they cooked it up to become a domestic terrorist case. And we had, you know, uh, FBI whistleblower Steve Friend on the show, and he's ultimately agreed that this is what's going on right now with the FBI. They're cooking up these cases to look like domestic terrorism cases so they could do things like they did to you. And unfortunately, it's working right now. Uh, let me just give your our audience some type of uh, update on what you were allegedly charged with at first. They accuse you of having unregistered shotguns, two of those, I believe, uh, two grenades. And then as you described, the CD-ROM with what they claimed as classified documents, but a jury found you not guilty on that charge. The grenades are in question because you believe that they were planted I've explained to our audience, too, by the way, that when the FBI comes to your door to execute a warrant, they cover this, any type of surveillance footage that you might have around your house, any cameras, they cover those or they break them, they destroy them, and they're not wearing body cameras, and they don't want to admit it, but they don't have body cameras. So ultimately, it's your word against theirs, and you know, you've already attempted to prove that these grenades weren't yours. You've, you've done different testing regarding hair uh, particles that were found on these grenades, and nothing has came back to be connected to you or any member of your household. Uh, and that's ultimately what you're going to look to challenge. Is that correct? Well, yeah. And, and we did prove that the grenades weren't mine. Uh, the only reason the jury found me guilty for the grenades is because the 
prosecution manipulated jail calls. They played a partial jail call and then told the, told the jury that because I did not respond in a certain way, in fact, they literally, which is part of our appeal, they referred to my silence as an admission of guilt, when in reality, my silence was because my girlfriend mentioned the word grenades, but uh, Brianna, I own grenades. I own smoke grenades. I own airsoft grenades. I'm a 20-year Special Forces veteran, right? When my girlfriend says they took grenades, the single word grenades, I have no response for that because, yeah, of course, they're going to take everything. Hell, they took yeah. my Special Forces hats and an American flag. It wasn't until the next call the next jail call, immediately following the one, but that the, the, the government seemed to just not want to let the jury hear. She says they took live grenades and took them to detonate them. I said, that is bullshit. That's when I realized that she wasn't talking about my smoke grenades or my aerosol grenades. She was talking about some other type of explosive device. And from day one, I have maintained that those grenades were not mine. The DNA evidence did not leak them. The military logistical tracking information of which we requested and did not receive until almost a year after the arrest also showed that those grenades had no nexus to my military career. And the FBI didn't even ask their, their joint munitions investigator what dates uh, those grenades were in these certain locations, even though they could have. And so we proved that the only reason the jury uh, basically screwed up their, their reasonable doubt is because they believed that their government doesn't lie to them. And so when the prosecutor played a recording and told them that my silence was an admission of guilt, they believed him. But they didn't find me guilty on the CD-ROM because the FBI had no photographs of the CD-ROM ever on the target. They had no evidence logs of a CD-ROM, and they never produced the CD at trial. And so the jury's like, well, we can't possibly convict him of this thing. They didn't even produce a single piece of evidence that it was, that it was there on the RV. And so the trial was a complete farce. All right. Yeah. I tried to plot, play the recording in order to establish the FBI's motive for framing me. And yet the judge was like, oh, well, we'll see whether or not it comes up and basically uh, manipulated my defense attorney to not bring up the recording because it might make it look bad to uh, about me to the jury. Right. And so it was a complete a farcical trial, which, you know, the transcripts, we have the transcripts, you can read in the appeal, the appeal, which is posted on the, uh, my website, jeremybrowndefense.com. Uh, if you read it, it has, it's a very good summary of the trial, and you'll, you'll get to see the details of exactly what I'm describing. Yeah, yeah. And we actually have your website right now also under under you as as we're speaking. So if, if you missed that, you could go there. The correct spelling, everything is there. So take a look at that. Jeremy, I also want to talk about, as you just mentioned, the, the silence aspect of this. That's stated in your appeal. But you also state uh, the possession of an unregistered shotgun rifle having a short barrel. And you say that it's unconstitutional and yeah. that it violates your totally. right. I want you to talk about that because I agree with you completely on that one. Those firearms are completely protected under the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution because the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution states that my right to keep and bear arms 
shall not be infringed. And that certainly includes the government being able to tell me how long my barrel length is. And I will assure you that that weapon that the FBI confiscated, the rifle, uh, was exact configured exactly the same way that my rifle was configured when I served 20 years in United States Special Forces protecting the second Before they hang up on us, I want to make sure you you call us back when they hang up, okay? Because I want to keep this conversation going. Because I want you to call us back when they hang up on us. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. You guys, Jeremy Brown has called us back. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Unfortunately, the jail has a 15 uh, minute kind of restriction. It's strange because he could call us right back a minute later, but we're going to abide by that. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to bring him back in. I want him to talk about that Second Amendment issue because it's critical. So when we come back, we'll discuss that with Jeremy Brown. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. Hey everyone, I'm getting ready to head out right now, but before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant, and I used to look all the time for the best deodorant, I couldn't find it on the shelves at all, until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off, it's incredible, watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. Jeremy Brown joins us again, guys. We're gonna continue the conversation regarding his appeal in it. He uh, pretty much discusses, and he's going to break it all down for you, why he thinks the felony charge of a possession of an unregistered shotgun slash rifle is unconstitutional. Jeremy, jump back into that because I had to cut you off for the line cut you off, but you were making a great argument. Yeah, of course. Look, my desire is that U.S. versus Brown becomes the next solid uh, Second Amendment landmark case uh, here in the United States. And the reason is, because we have made the argument that the National Firearms Act of 1934, which is where the statutes that I have been charged under that identify that you cannot have uh, a shotgun or a rifle with certain barrel lengths, right? It's completely absurd and a total violation of the Second Amendment because the logic used by the government is that a short barrel rifle is easier to conceal. Well, one, you have no right to infringe upon the Second Amendment, first of all. But second, if that was the case, well, then all pistols would be illegal. But see, short barrel rifles aren't illegal. The government just requires you to register and pay a $200 stamp tax. Well, it's already been proven by a constitutional amendment that states a constitutional right cannot be taxed. 
right? A poll tax was found to be unconstitutional, and then actually the Constitution was amended to make that statement, that you cannot tax an individual's right to vote because it is an established right. Well, therefore, how does the government prevent you from owning a certain firearm that is Second Amendment protected and and simply claim that you're a felon because you didn't pay a tax. Well, they can't. And New York New York Rifle Club versus Bruin, which was the most recent Supreme Court uh, landmark case, has established that unless a piece of legislation that has become a color of law statute, unless it has a historical basis that dates back to the original ratification of the constitutional right, then it is not constitutional. Meaning that the government would have to show that back in 1791, when the Bill of Rights was ratified, there were laws on the books that were continued to be enforced tied to the barrel length of firearms. But see, that doesn't exist because, see, the Navy used the blunderbuss or the short barrel rifle. Uh, I mean, a short-barreled shotgun and all kinds of things. So the idea is this. The government wants to hurt you, and they can't do that unless they take your guns away. The founders knew this, and that's why they gave us the Second Amendment. It's why. And, and this is a fault of the National Rifle Association. Shall not be infringed is a great clause of the Second Amendment. But that is not the most important clause of the Second Amendment. The most important clause in the Second Amendment is necessary for the security of a free state. Because this is the why statement from our founders as to why the government shall not infringe on our right to arm ourselves. And Alexander Hamilton further clarifies this in Federal List 26 through 29, where he specifically states that it is the armed citizen and the ability of the state to raise a militia against the federal government is which acts as the counterbalance to a potential tyrannical government. This is the founder writing it, not a conspiracy theorist, right? This is the purpose of the Second Amendment. But we have been duped into thinking that, oh, it's about hunting or it's about sport shooting by the NRA, which is a compromised Second Amendment organization. And we as the American citizens need to know what our rights are and know why we were given those rights or are going to be taken away from us. Yeah, you make a great point. Honestly, I didn't realize how corrupt the NRA was as just as a group altogether uh, until Kyle Rittenhouse kind of spoke out about it. And, and I was shocked to hear that the NRA didn't even come to his defense when when he was having his criminal charges filed against him and they were all coming after him. Uh, it's it's quite concerning. Uh, Brianna. Yeah. When I ran for U.S. Congress in Florida, right, I ran against Kathy Castor, a seven-term Democrat here in Tampa. I wrote a two-page white paper basically explaining the historical basis uh, of the Second Amendment and as a special forces soldier who specializes in uh, building resistance forces against tyrannical, overpowering governments, right? I wrote a two-page Second Amendment white paper and submitted it to the Florida NRA for support in my congressional campaign and never heard anything back. Because I guess a 20-year Army Green Beret who's run Congress as a Republican who 
uh, who lays out the historical basis and explanation for the Second Amendment, I guess that just doesn't warrant the respect of an organization that really is just trying to convince us guns are just for for personal home defense, self-defense, and shooting turkeys, apparently. <laughs> Jeremy, I have a question for you, because uh, when I was watching Kyle Rittenhouse talk to Tucker Carlson about this issue, uh, he stated that the one guns right group that actually did come to his defense was the National Association for Gun, Ri- Gun Rights. Have they spoken to you at all? Are they potentially interested in, in talking this over with you? Because this seems like something that would be right up their alley. Well, I haven't heard from them, but I'm look. I'm more than well. I, I'm more than happy to speak to anybody who wants to get on board with this legal fight. Because see, look, this legal battle is just one phase of this overall operation. Because the, the legal system is completely corrupt. Let me just point out a headline from today: The Supreme Court has refused to hear Elon Musk's appeal of a decision that stated that he could not expose his own company. He could not expose his own internal communications in the company that he just bought that highlighted and explained how much federal government and FBI manipulation, spying, and censoring was taking place within his own company. So he, he, uh, he filed a suit. It was ruled against him because, of course, the government filed a block against him being able to talk about this information, citing, of course, national security, right, and sources and methods. And so he appeals this, and the Supreme Court has refused to hear his appeal. So every aspect of this federal government is completely compromised, and my purpose here is to utilize the Constitution and the way the laws are meant to be formed under Article 6, Paragraph 2, meaning that no law, right, that exists can be a legitimate unless it is in pursuance to the Constitution, right? The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. This was ruled in Marbury versus Madison from 1883, that if the law is not in pursuance of the Constitution, it is null and void. And yet every day, Congress proposes laws that are completely unconstitutional, and they are enforced against us, the people, and then when we try to take action in the courts, they refuse to hear our cries for justice, and that just makes them just as compromised as the rest of them. And so part of my mission here is to utilize the law against itself to show that when you make constitutional arguments in an American courtroom, they will not be heard, you will be ruled against, because the judicial system is merely in place to put the government at an advantage against you, the American system, or the American citizen, and you don't realize this until you're in it, right? Because, see, they'll propagandize you all day long with nice television shows like Law and Order and Perry Mason and FBI International, FBI Nova Scotia, whatever. All these different propaganda pieces that make you feel like, oh, yeah, I am innocent until proven guilty. I do receive uh, due process. I will get a fair trial if ever I need to, but, I mean, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'll never have to deal with this. Right, right. Tell that to over a 1,000 American citizens who attended a First Amendment rally on January 6th, and now the President of the United States stands in front 
of others. Invoking the actions of George Washington, who actually was acting as a patriot rabble-rouser against the tyrant, and yet conflates his position with that of George Washington as he mocks those defendants and then touts how many hundreds of years in prison these protesters have been locked up for. It is disgusting, but it is exactly what you should expect to see from the, the fake paper tiger head of this attack against America. This attack is not being run by Americans with different political opinions. No, these are, these are anti-American infiltrators that have control at all levels of your federal government. And if you keep saying to yourself, oh, well, we'll get them in November, well, then guess what? I'll save you a cell here at the Citrus County Resort for Threats to Democracy, because that's where you're going to be, because that's where these types of wars end up. Jeremy, I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but it, it is quite humorous, only because uh, I have to laugh or else I'm going to cry at this point, because you're spot on at this point. We, we're seeing our government overstep all the time, and there's very little... Uh, Stop! Like, there's very little anyone really speak up to try to stop these people. And I don't know what more could be done. I mean, we're talking about the Supreme Court taking up some of these January 6th cases. I know a lot of my friends are optimistic about it. I don't know if these these justices would actually really step in and, and really weigh in on how they should. A lot of these people are fearful. And I don't know. It's just so it's so disappointing to hear what's going on in cases like yours and other cases. But I'm optimistic because I know that we've got a real fighter over there, Jeremy, and that's you, who's gonna, who's not going to lay down and let them keep doing this to them. You're going to keep fighting. You're going to keep pushing back. And that's really what we need to do. Uh, I know that the government is set to respond back to your appeal. They're supposed to give you a response by January 16th. That's when they're expected to do it. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But what it does, we'll bring it to you here. And uh, your appeal is so in-depth that we're going to have to bring you back on to go through all of this because it's interesting and the American people need to hear it. Jeremy Brown, uh, I want to direct our audience well, to help your funds well, as well. Yeah, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, if you want to do all I can do, just go to jeremybrowndefense.com. You can read the appeals brief. You can listen to other uh, interviews that I've done. Uh, you can read about my story. You can link to my daily podcast that we do here from jail uh, most days. I mean, we don't do them every day, but uh, yeah. uh, there, there's just a, a cornucopia, if you will, of information about my story and about my fight, because again, this is not, this is a battlefield, right? The, the lawfare aspect of this war is one of the battlefields, but make no mistake. I have no delusion that there will be justice through this process. I am utilizing my legal cases as in essence, the giving them the rope and allowing them to hang themselves. We know that every motion will be denied. We know that every sentence will be overly harsh. And we know that hopefully uh, 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 the appeals will at least get written, uh, whether they're granted or not. We'll just keep going. But it is yeah. to show the American people firsthand how it actually is, what reality is. And look, the reason why everything I'm saying makes sense as far as this battle, according to you, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own work, but it's because uh, I'm a 20 year veteran of this type of warfare. You spent millions of dollars 
to train me have one minute left. John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center in schools. Like John F. Kennedy, the president who stood in front of the press and said, we are in a war against secret societies, and it is a war of infiltration, not invasion. That guy, you know, the one who had his head blown off just a little bit after that, right? That is a guy who our schoolhouse is named after. I understand the nature of this enemy and the nature of this fight, and I'm going to do my best to alert the American people before it's too late. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you for that. We're going to keep everyone up to date with your case. I think it's the most one of the most interesting J6 cases that we have right now. And we're thankful to have your time. I know they're about to drop the call soon. Jeremy, please, please, please keep us posted on everything. We appreciate it. Of course. And thank you again for the time. And again, congratulations on your new platform. Thank you, Jeremy. And as a reminder to our audience, it is very expensive to fight these cases. So please head over to jeremybrowndefense.com. That's jeremybrowndefense.com. You can learn more about his case and also make a donation if you are able to. I want to let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now, Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. You could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com. And then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you wanna see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.